Welcome to Is This Normal, a parenting podcast from Belfast Live. I'm Claire O'Boyle. And I'm Sheena McStravick. So today we're going to chat about, I think it's one thing we all need a little bit more of in our lives, and that is the all-important sleep. So Claire, you have two girls of different ages now. You've probably passed the early sleep fog stage that you probably don't really remember anymore. How, how do your girls sleep now? How has that progressed? We haven't uh, done too bad, actually. Both of them sleep through the night now. Occasionally, we'll hear a sort of a wail from the baby. Um, when <laughs> I think it's her teeth, she does a sort of a alarming howl in the middle of the night, but we tend to just ignore her. <laughs> um, and we get up at kind of half six every day. I am a bit of a stickler for it. I'm uh, constantly exhausted, so we tend to go to bed about nine o'clock if I can. Um, but yeah, we're okay, to be honest. What about you? Ten months? Yeah, ten months. I thought when Dara was born after about, what... 12, 13 weeks, I thought, oh my goodness, I've created this absolute miracle. He started sleeping through the night from a very early stage and it was amazing. And then we had about four months and they talk about a sleep regression and then teeth and everything else thrown into the mix. But thankfully now he is, you know, he's, he's really good. He does sleep through the night. He's a pretty, he's, he's what um, I think is dubbed a morning lark. He, mm-hmm. He's always been a an, an person who <laughs> just gets up early. He's He, he wakes up usually six quarter past six half six is his, his time so it's and again we're, we're a bit like yourselves we we tend to get to bed early and, and make sure we get we'll try to get enough sleep i think if six is on the clock it's okay it's when five is there that that's when i start to kind of be a bit horrified six is doable today to help us unravel the mystery of all things sleep we have got Susan so Susan can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your area of expertise yes I'm Susan Wallace I'm from Settle Petals I am a sleep consultant based in Belfast um, and I'm here to talk about all infant sleep that is great and that's the stuff we need to know because everybody is desperate for more (laughs) yeah I don't think that's one thing we all know we we could all be doing with a little bit more sleep and I know that's I think the first thing being a a first-time mum it's a shock to the system, the the lack of sleep in those first few weeks and um, months, 10 months in now. So it's still, you know, things settle down for a while. I'm sure, Susan, you've heard all the all the stories um, about routine and sleeps and all that there. So what, I mean, in terms of sleeping, what are the main concerns that you hear time and time again from parents? What, what, are, what are the biggest issues that people find around sleep? I think it's adapting to both early wakings, frequent wakings and children who find it very difficult to settle to sleep at night mm-hmm. and naps as well. Yeah. So for me, the first couple of weeks with my first little girl, Betsy, it's four years ago, but it feels it's so raw that I can just conjure myself back there in seconds. It was like 20 minutes, an hour. It was like a CIA torture mechanism. I was delirious, didn't know what was going on. And my husband and I agreed at one point, whatever is said in the dark of night stays there and you forget about <laughs> it because you sort of lose the plot. But how do you how do you kind of get people through those first few weeks because they are something you can't really imagine? Absolutely. And children are often born with their days and nights back to front. The sleepy hormones called melatonin, it actually can't even be made by a child until they're about six to eight weeks. So it's just remembering that that is short-lived and that it will come. Um, sleep cycles as well start very, very small, so it's totally normal. And I think it's really normalising that actually not a lot of sleep is very, very normal. It is very normal to feel tired and it's very normal for babies not to sleep too much in those early first few weeks. And so what is what is normal? That's the whole point yeah. of this. Is there any normal? Because, you know, 20 minutes ago, is that okay? 
Absolutely. 20 minutes for a newborn baby is absolutely normal. And I think it's just reminding parents that. And also your baby crying does not mean that you're failing. Your baby is crying because they're adapting to the world and they need you there to support them when they're going through such that early time. And so what advice would you give to mums? I mean, just at that point, how do you keep yourself sane? How do you deal with no sleep? Do you just grab any second you can in the day or, or what do you do? Absolutely. And I think a supportive network around you is the most important thing. It's actually appreciating you are going to feel tired and just do what you can. There's a lot of pressure on people to be going to coffee shops, out for lunch, having a perfect house, having an Instagram looking house and actually that's not what's important your dishes can wait um it's about having the sleep when you can having dad or granny take the child out for maybe just a little while for you just to pick yourself back up and just actually embrace the tired because it is totally normal in those first few weeks so you can't avoid it embrace it go with it and just get through the day <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i think it's just about redefining what normal is a newborn baby is not going to sleep from seven to seven through the night would be quite concerned if it did so it's about looking after yourself big deep breaths and um, being kind to yourself and not having expectations that are unrealistic yeah i think that's that is probably the real thing and i know you know i'm as guilty as any other mum at the beginning of of wanting to do everything and you know because because it was my first as well and I just was I wanted to be so in control and you do end up you just fall apart mentally <laughs> emotionally and obviously as a as a, as a new mum and a new parent and your homes are up the left anyway so things are going to fall apart but as you say I think the support network is invaluable in those in those early days and moving on I know we talk a lot about methods in terms of getting babies to sleep when they are at a right age to I suppose to, to be sleeping and, and maybe talking about a sleep routine if that's what you want and I, I have said in the past I am all about routine that's just me that was me long before I had Dara I'm just a routine person I'm a I'm a list list person and I you know I like to tick things off a list and get things done so I wanted a sleep routine if I could possibly get him into one for 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 those early not not those early days I suppose because you can't expect it but when he was ready. So when do you think is if parents do want to get their child into a better sleeping and napping routine obviously because naps are important. Um, when is the best time to start that, Susan? Would you say? From about four, five, six months, that is a really good time. The early few months, you're really going by baby's sleepy cues and having an idea when they're getting tired, um, when they're going to be awake, the tiny little tummies at that stage. So we just can't expect too much from them. And then from about four, five, six months on, um, children are starting to get into about a 24-hour clock. They cannot... Um, they can't work their melatonin, their cortisol till they're about three months. That cycle just doesn't exist. So you need to give them a little bit of time to really get into that. And then from that stage, if routine is something that's important to you, then that's absolutely something that we can work with. Some parents like to go on much longer and follow baby's awake cues and sleeping cues and everything, which is completely fine and is really just um, a parental point of view. But if a routine is something that's important to you, anything from about four months on. Now saying that, you can have little routines. So you could start a little bedtime routine with your baby really from the start, but maybe just five, 10 minutes. And we would really, by the time they're about four months, then we'd be looking up to about a half an hour bedtime routine and starting to get things more into a 24 hour schedule. And so what kind of thing would that little five, 10 minute routine be? Is that like a bath? 
you know, we cuddles before bed, a book, I know, I guess, from birth, you're not going to be reading a big book, but what, what kind of thing would you do at the very beginning? Well, a book's actually very good. Um, there's been a lot of research showing that actually a book, um, reading stories, actually has a great impact on children's development going forward. And although you might think, actually, they're just a baby, what do they know about a book? Actually, just having that time with the parents sitting going through the book, um, they've actually scanned babies' he- babies' brains, and babies who are read books actually go on to have increased logic skills going forward into childhood and their communication skills are more advanced early on so I actually love a book right from the start and I like everything counted from the bath as the routine baths don't have to happen every single night particularly if you've more than one child you simply mightn't have the time some people are concerned about the impact a lot of bathing has on their skin so I say from the second they get out of the bath that's your routine starting so I love baby massage and um, I'm also a baby massage instructor um, and there's been a lot of research to show that um, massage increases oxytocin which is the feel-good hormone in both mum and baby so if mum's feeling a bit stressed as a new mum it can help her as well and also can help babies get into a really nice sleep and so maybe the bath then a little massage put on their little jammies and a little story that's all you really need they're ready for bed you've got that little routine down what in terms of a baby's sleep and particularly probably when they move out of the mum and dad's room and into their own room and what's the kind of ideal sleep environment for a baby to optimise obviously that, that, that perfect night's sleep if there is a such thing well um, the hormone um, melatonin is light sensitive um, so if we have a really dark room, that will that will increase the melatonin production. So I always recommend my absolute number one top tips is the use of blackout blinds. And I visit most families, they actually have this already implemented, but then they have a nightlight in the baby's room. <laughs> so I always say, why have we got the blackout blinds? It's to keep out the light then why have we brought light into the room? So I recommend if we're having blackout blinds, we either don't have a nightlight because babies come from the womb. The womb is dark. Babies don't tend to be afraid of the dark. Toddlers may be afraid of the dark. And there's been a lot of research to show that a red-based nightlight is actually less, um, has less of effect on melatonin. So I recommend that if you are going to have a nightlight, that you have a red-based nightlight with your dark blackout blinds. We also have to make sure that the room is safe. Um, 16 to 20 degrees is the ideal temperature of the room. And a sleeping bag usually of about 2.5 togs. Again, um, I work with a lot of families and sometimes they increase to a winter sleeping bag in winter, but the room is the same temperature. And actually there's a concern that baby might be getting too hot. So there's absolutely no need for a winter sleep tog if your room is staying the same temperature, maybe if the room is reducing. We need the cot to be flat. Um, There is a lot of research on SIDS, which is sudden infant death, and how to prevent that. And there's a few things um, that you have to really make sure that you're doing to prevent that. Um, One is making sure the the cot is flat with a securely fitted um, sheet. Um, babies should be placed on their back with their feet down near the bottom of the cot. I don't recommend putting anything into the cot until the child is at least one, and that includes the cot bumpers, um, any sort of positioner, um, any sort of toy, and a mobile that could be possibly pulled down by the baby. We need to make sure that it is kept clear. Um, 
And white noise. I absolutely love white noise. White noise can quite mimic the sounds inside the womb. They used to think that the womb was very much like a heartbeat sort of sound, but new research has actually shown it's more of a whoosh, more of a shushing noise inside with the placenta and everything going on. And white noise can can recreate that beautifully. Um, there's also brown noise and pink noise, just to confuse everyone more. <laughs> um, and basically, it's just different tones of different sounds. Brown noise is a little bit gentler than white noise. So some adults who find it difficult to have white noise on in the room with the baby might prefer brown noise just to our adult ears it's a little bit softer yeah, I absolutely love white noise so that's something I we implemented from from the very beginning with with Dara um he had one of those little little toys that and it's it's amazing it sits in the room and it's got a built-in cry sensor so after about 20 minutes it knocks itself off the white noise and it, it, it always came back on again if he stirred in the night and, and got him back over but even constant white noises I've tried now as he's got a bit older. I find it sometimes if he wakes up and he needs, then he has to cry almost to start the, the, the white noise. So having it, having it, I think, running in the room, even if he does wake up, helps him go back over again. So I, I definitely know white noise is, is one of my favourite things, definitely. Okay, so we've heard quite a bit about sleep props and we've been reading a little bit about them online and things, but what are they and are they an issue? I think the word sleep prop can conjure up all sorts of feelings for people and there's a bit of a sense at the moment that sleep props means it's a bad thing. That is absolutely not the case. A sleep prop is just something that you need in your environment to go to sleep. So we all need them. So as adults, quite a lot of us maybe have a cup of tea before bed. That's our nighttime routine. Then you get into bed and you pull the duvet over and you've got your pillow and you lie on a bed and maybe you want your window open or maybe you don't. Those are your sleep props. Those are things that are just saying to your brain, it's time to go to sleep. And there's a number of sleep props that a baby will have, um, possibly rocking, possibly feeding to sleep, um, possibly just getting in and hearing a little lullaby. Those are all sleep props. A sleep prop doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. We all have them. And what happens, um, a baby has a number of sleep cycles throughout the night. And when they wake between sleep cycles, they will want the sleep prop that they had at the start of the night in between the night. So you just have to work out if the sleep prop you're using at the start of the night works for you as a family. If it does, that is absolutely fine. If it's working for a while and then it no longer is working, you might want to start thinking about a different sleep prop. But it's very much on um, parental's own views about what works for their family and what's a problem and what isn't. And so one of the ones I guess people might think of, um, you know, off the top of your head is a dummy. Is that an, what, what what would your thoughts be on dummies and using them for sleeping? Yeah, so dummies um, dummies actually reduce the chance of sudden infant death syndrome, which is very positive. Um, they also can help when a baby's teething, when a baby's not feeling well. Um, just that sucking motion can be very, very comforting. The issue some parents have is when the baby is wake in between sleep cycles and the dummy is falling out. So the dummy is clearly a sleep prop in these issues and it's up for the parents to work out, does that make it a problem? Um, my suggestion is always if the baby's over about five, six months is to use tummy time to try and practice the, the child reinserting the dummy independently. So put the dummy on the floor, have the child on their tummy, always be supervising them, encourage them to pick the dummy up and if they do, give them lots and lots of praise. Then put about five or six dummies into the cot with the baby at night and really encourage them to go in and get their own dummy. So initially, if the dummy's been a sleep prop and the parent goes in and the child just can't get it, just take their little hand and put the hand on the dummy initially those first few nights just to encourage the child to reinsert them, give them lots and lots of praise and then hopefully it can remain a sleep prop but one that the child can work out for themselves. 
brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> and as well as that, what I what I what I've recently discovered is glow in the dark dummies. Yes, mm-hmm. which are amazing when you walk into mm-hmm. a pitch black room with the, with where the baby sleeps and you're scrambling and you know that's what you need to reach for and there it is <laughs> shining in the cotton. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. And so with things like that as well, so with kids that are waking up during the night, how long would you recommend waiting before you go in and intervene? Some children cry between sleep cycles. Sleep cycles are totally normal. Children waking up in the night is totally normal. What we want is that if they have a need, that they call for the parents to come and meet the need. If they don't have a need and they're just trying to transition, I always suggest just giving them about four or five minutes to see if they can fall asleep by themselves. If they can't, then we need to go in and support them. We need to be there. We need to stay with our babies as they're going through those sleep cycles. But just giving it a few minutes to see if they can do it for themselves is often enough for that child just to transition by themselves. And then what do you do when you go in? What what would your recommendation? We've done different things with both our girls. You know, touching them on the head, saying we're here, all this backing sort of terrified out of the room, (laughs) hoping that they don't, you know, notice the door closing or whatever. What what would you recommend doing? I always work with the family and see what their aim is. Some some families want to continue breastfeeding between each sleep cycle, and it's very important for some families to be able to do that, to be having that bonding and having that alone time. And some parents might say, actually, that's their favourite part of parenting is that time alone with their babies in the night, breastfeeding from one cycle to the other. So there's absolutely no right or wrong where other people are finding it absolutely exhausting and can no longer maintain that Um, so with those families we've got a totally different aim on our hands I don't ever suggest cryotid I think we need to be there for our babies when they're transitioning between sleep cycles and what cryotid does it's actually saying no matter if the child has a need or not we're not going to intervene with that baby. So you've got a baby who's left by themselves who eventually works out. There's no point calling between sleep cycles whether I have a need or not. Mm. So you have to weigh all these things up and what the parental view is, what they want to obtain from this. If you are a parent who wants it to be that your child can um, transition independently between sleep cycles and does not want to use cry it out, but you're stuck because nor do you have the ability just to maintain this every hour in life up, um, I suggest gentle strategy so comforting your baby using a prop that's maybe different from the one that you used to use giving them lots of nurture and love and maybe just using one or two phrases so I quite like sleepy time and love you very much because that is something we do naturally and it recreates that feeling of the womb when everything's going in the placenta past their little ears so using lots of lots of touch Um, but it's very much dependent on the parent um, and what they're trying to get out of that what strategy I would use yeah, because, well, <clears throat> ours were both fantastic sleepers and went on from, Betsy was great. She was from four months, five, six months, really, really good. And Alice was a bit later. But until she was about one and a half, absolutely great. And then she kind of lost the plot in December and um, she was up like through the night. She was, you know, completely freaking out. And because it had been such a long time where she was good, we really just didn't know what to do. And we were doing this thing. We had we had had a book, nailed it. We were so confident and smug about it. We actually gave the book to one of our friends. Um, we were like, here you go. You have great sleepers like us. But then we just didn't know what to do. So we were going in, shushing her. Um, and it was almost like, don't make eye contact. She'll see us. We were doing this kind of thing that we had done from when she was a baby, which is go in, shush her, love you, all that kind of stuff, back out. And she was still crying five minutes later, go in and do the same. And eventually she would calm down. But it was much harder the second time around 
So when it's taught, when this baby's kind of half one and a half two, what what is it? Is it a different approach then? Absolutely, and it's not just so much the age. I suppose it's about the child's temperament and also mm. the parent's parenting style. So again, for some parents, it's very important that they are there with their child while the child returns to sleep. So maybe that they're wanting to be in and hugging the child until they're sleeping, and they don't mind actually getting up several times a night. It's more about um, just being with the child. And for other people, actually, it's the child learning independent sleep is the most important thing so it's very very dependent um, on the child and the parenting style whether you stay with them or whether you're happy to leave and come back and comfort um, you've got a bit of advantage when you go on in that you can start communicating with the child back and forward but you're, there's this age of about 18 months when they know what they want but you actually find it very difficult there's no negotiation there's no reasoning and that can be a really tricky time for sleep um, because the child knows what they want you know what they what you would like them to do <laughs> and the two don't always marry up but it's about being really consistent and making um, the bedroom a very very safe place for the child so I recommend that if if sleep has become stressful that you start spending some nice time in the bedroom during the day just to take away that parents not getting stressed when you're going in child's not getting stressed when you go in anything that makes them feel comfortable um, and confident is going to really really work so for example I would recommend that a parent um, sleep with a teddy near them for a few nights for a child that's over 12 months and then put that teddy in the cot with the child so they can actually smell your presence and actually be comforted off that is a really nice tip we actually did that we, we you know we had a couple of things like that and we put you know we tops and stuff of mine in with her and to be honest she's back to normal now but it did take maybe a month or six weeks and it was it was quite you know, it was quite upsetting for everybody because mm-hmm. we were going in and um, and doing the, the old stuff. And like literally, it's not like we were going back to bed. We were standing outside the door looking at her watch for four or five minutes, back in again, back out. So it's quite, you know, quite a few weeks to do that. But anyway, she's back. She's back to herself again, which is a massive relief. Brilliant. <laughs> and it can be something you use actually, you know, set them off. Perhaps they've been sick and they actually need sick. you in to comfort them. Uh-huh. And then they're they've got an India pattern where they're waking all the time and it might just take it might just be a little bit of time and a wee bit of comfort just to get them back to that their is normal routine. She'd had a wee cold or something and it and mm-hmm. it just completely knocked her off. It was but anyway, no, she's all good now. But it, it did seem a bit more difficult when she was older, maybe because we weren't expecting it. I don't know. Absolutely. And I think parents, sometimes when sleep's gone really well, they're like, yes, we have nailed this. Yes. And actually something environmental or something biological comes along and actually brings you right back down. Um, and it's a bit like falling off a cliff because you've gotten so high and you're so pleased um, <laughs> that it can be harder thinking, no, we can't go back to these days. That was exactly it. Yeah, I think that that is the thing, and, and and you do kind of get into that if you, if you do get a good sleeper for for even weeks, you're so grateful for for a full night's uninterrupted sleep that when something does happen, it's it's a huge shock to the system. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we've all been there. So obviously we're approaching the the summer months, and and people are planning their holidays and 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 going away. And I know something that's probably strikes fear into a lot of parents, especially ones who who have probably got a good settled sleep routine, and they're thinking okay we're, we're now have to get on a plane we have to possibly go to a slightly different time zone I mean what Susan would you recommend for for helping parents kind of who who are going to travel over the summer and travel with children and try to keep them in some sort of a normal sleeping routine 
Absolutely. I think it's about not forgetting your bedtime routine. If you have a bedtime routine that you do every single night, the child will recognise that no matter what environment you're in. So start off before you go, getting a real manageable routine, a routine you know you can do on holiday. So maybe just 15 minutes is all that you need. So if the child has a bath and you put some lotion on them and read them a little story, do that again just to let them know. If you're going somewhere outside of time zone, you can actually get blackout blinds to travel. So you can get them, put them up just so that they learn when's dark and when's light um, and have the melatonin come in at the right time. Um, I also recommend for jet lag that you try and have the child outside in both morning and afternoon because that natural light will release cortisol, which is the wake up hormone. And if you've got that during the day, you're more likely to release the melatonin in the right time at night. So get them outside. That's um, a really good um, routine to have. If you have room in your case, I recommend bringing some cot sheets from home because they will smell like home. If you can have that environment as familiar as you can, it will help the baby settle much more easily. So keeping the room dark with the smell that smells like home, having the same comfort teddy that they use if they're over the age of 12 months and having a really nice routine. If you're going somewhere local, so you're maybe just... um, going on a road trip for your holidays and you're going to be using like a little travel cot maybe use about a week before you go have baby used to that in their own environment so when you go away and set it up it actually doesn't seem too strange for them yeah that's actually a good tip because probably people just think you know I'll buy a travel cot to go on holiday and when you bring them on holiday they've never slept in it before Mm -hmm. and you know even if you're traveling a short distance and most hotels possibly provide a travel cot and you know it could be a strange environment and obviously that will will disrupt them as well so no, that's that's definitely a good point susan thank you so much for joining us it was great to hear all your insights and tips and hopefully we will all get a better night's sleep going forward <laughs> thanks for absolutely invaluable tips i think there from susan i loved what she said it was um just about the beginning whenever it all seems so awful and you're never going to come out of this like horrendous sleep cloud yeah what um what i loved was the sort of the reassurance to people that it is just a fleeting moment in time it will just be something that passes and you'll look back at, at it and probably luckily not remember the half of it absolutely and i think that is we're probably all a little bit too hard on ourselves at the start definitely um and i loved also the, the point about the travel cut i know i will definitely be doing that this summer that's 100 percent a great tip yeah because it's weird the the wee tiny thin mattresses that they have it's a wee bit hard to get to get used to so yeah, it's a big adjustment doesn't it yeah no totally that's great and as well as that blackout blinds i mean we thankfully actually we installed blackout blinds in our house as standard when we first moved in not even obviously considering kids down the line but that definitely is something that i know has has helped has helped him get a really good night's sleep as well as us so. and actually what i didn't say there but we have those travel ones and they are brilliant yeah. you just kind of stick to the window and they, they definitely help Thanks for listening, folks. Remember to subscribe on the feed and we'll see you again soon. Sleep tight.